0: I don't go to the opera to see life I go to the opera to see art
1: Hello, this is David Perlman for Conversations at The Whole Note My guest today on this leap year 2016 February 29th is Marshall Pinkowski Co-founder of Opera Atelier That's with nice. Jeanette Zing, La yes. Jeunesse Zing Yes, uh, 20 years six months, five days, and four hours ago, (laughs) 30 years years,
0: years ago. Unbelievable. Yeah. I can hardly believe it myself.
1: So here we are, and you've got uh, the immediate context for this, and for looking at the pictures that you brought, is um, Lucio Silla Silla opening on April 7th. Yes. And running till the 16th. That's at it. Your That's usual it. haunts.
0: Yes, the Elgin Theatre, a beautiful, beautiful opera house. We're so happy to be there. But uh, I'm very, very excited about Lucio Silla, David. It's, uh, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to say we are having a Mozart premiere mm-hmm. in Toronto, in Canada. Lucio mm-hmm. Silla has never played in Canada before, I say without any reservation. It is a great masterpiece. Mm. This is not a juvenile work. This is written by the 17-year-old Mozart, a fully formed aesthetic. Mm. In fact, the amazing thing is when you're hearing it, you're going to hear large excerpts of Figaro. You're going to hear Don Giovanni. You're going to hear magic flute. All of those things were already in his head. Mm -hmm. It's his second opera seria. He actually conducted it when it opened and It's a stupendous piece, a fiendishly difficult piece to Mm -hmm. cast, but very, very, very exciting. In Mm -hmm. fact, it would never have occurred to me if it weren't for the fact that Mark Minkowski, that great French conductor, got Mm -hmm. in touch with Jeanette and me, asking if we would be interested in staging it for Mozartwoche in Salzburg. Oh yeah. That was very exciting for us. We knew the Mozarteum, we knew that we would be in the house for Mozart. And uh, the beautiful theater that is built there. So we agreed. We had a fantastic rehearsal period, a fantastic budget for the show. Mm -hmm. But then it was such a marvelous success. It was invited to be part of the Salzburg Festival the next summer. Okay. And so it sort of took off from there. So then we had two runs at it with the same cast and Mm -hmm. a fantastic amount of rehearsal time. Opening night. It was such a thrilling success, the director of La Scala came up and said, we want to bring this to La Scala next year. So then we did it at La Scala just one year ago. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's just a year ago that we were in Milan. So this is actually our fourth run at it, if you can imagine. I'm so happy to be bringing it to Toronto. Mm So, La, La Scala,
1: but the first time it was in Milan, La Scala, La Scala didn't exist. It no. was, what, two or three years before yeah. La Scala yeah, opened? Yeah, I think
0: La Scala feels that it happened at La Scala uh, simply out of a sense of national pride. Yeah. Yes, that the director the said it happened at La Scala, it, it premiered <laughs> there, and right. so we have to have it back. Right. So, but it's, I was amazed, though, I must say, in Milan, the, the enormous, enormous pride that everyone takes in that opera house. It was uh, everywhere you go. I mean, people are just in awe if that's where you're working. Running across the street to have lunch. If you said, we're in a real rush. We only have an hour. We're rehearsing next door. Instantly, everyone was running. It was so, so charming to see how everyone loved that venue even people who haven't been there uh-huh. it's always the case isn't it you know people who live there they don't go as often as as people from outside of the city but even then they were proud that la scala was there and it was part of their heritage
1: when they did it in santa fe i noticed uh, susan graham played uh is it cicillo yes the the central pants role yeah absolutely. great what, nemesis? Nemesis, yes, exactly. Exactly. the right word for exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes.
0: Well, I, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult role. It's a castrato role. It was uh-huh. a soprano castrato role. And uh, a very, very difficult. Uh, I shouldn't say difficult. It's extremely challenging. The only thing to me that betrays the fact that this is written by a 17-year-old is that he's very clearly showing off. I mean, it's the uh, the ornamentation, the ornaments he writes out for the singers. You just think, you've got to be kidding. In fact, the singers, I mean, we had some of the greatest singers in the world at, at La Scala and in Milan. And to watch them prepare for this, when they came in, I would say all of them were only able to get through half of their arias. It was like watching athletes in training. And they were all saying, it's, it's okay, it's going to be all right. I'm going to be fine, I just need some time to live with it and find out where I'm breathing yeah, right. <laughs> or how I breathe through my ears. And uh, you had to really just be calm and think, yeah. it's going to be okay, these people know what they're doing as they slowly maneuver their way into mm-hmm. these roles. But uh, very, very powerful orchestration. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really a glorious, glorious work, but moments of great tenderness and charm. And uh, and also some moments of humor, which I think Mozart mm-hmm. always found irresistible. So he was he
1: was seventeen. Yes, sixteen. And he, wrote, he, going wrote on th- 17. he wrote
0: three of these things in about five days yeah. or it's whatever it was. Right? I mean, he just it, uh, the music was just pouring out of him. Really right really.
1: after a visit to Milan. Yes,
0: yes, and uh, and it turns out he conducted uh, the opening night performance in 1772. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of things going against him. He had stupendous singers, but there were some singers that were extremely problematic, some that were very temperamental, and also the man who was supposed to sing the title role of Scylla was unable to sing it at the last moment, and Mozart ended up with someone that he was not happy with at all. Mm -hmm. So it was a question of altering music, trying to deal with that very fragile ego. He had a lot on his plate as a young man, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, again, a real, masterwork. It was very interesting working with the singers in Salzburg because most of them had never sung it before. Mm-hmm. One, Inga Kalna, who was going to be singing here in Toronto, singing the role of China, which I would say is the most difficult role in terms of coloratura. Uh, I remember her flipping through the score and just saying, it doesn't get better than this. Mozart doesn't get better than this. Whoa. It's all here. And uh which took me so by surprise because I was still getting to know the opera and I didn't know how the singers would respond, mm-hmm. uh, but they were, they were all so challenged but so gratified. And, um, and wonderful characters. I mean, this is a moment from history, from real history, doctored perhaps to a certain extent, but Silla, yeah. he did exist. In fact, ironically, Tito and Clemenza de Tito makes reference to Silla at one, at mm-hmm. one moment. Uh, and this dictator who is dangerous, unpredictable, um, and at the same time obviously has a core of, of goodness uh, or at least a granule of goodness still left inside of him because when he is confronted by real love, by real devotion mm-hmm. and he sees that on the part of the woman who he's trying to force to marry him, and when she and her fiancé are obviously willing to die for each other, right. he's so overwhelmed, he simply can't resist that. I should have warned people there was a spoiler, a spoiler. On oh, no. alert
1: somewhere in the interview. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say anymore. Maybe with yeah. the great... Yeah. great technological resources of editing there we, we are. can say spoiler yes. alert or yes. something like yeah. that. Uh, um, so so when you did it at Scala, yeah. you were faced with with I won't say the same challenges but they threw you in you were telling me with two,
0: weeks yes, in two, weeks two weeks to not even a little less than two weeks. So imagine thing I went from Salzburg eight weeks of rehearsal right plus I was flown to Paris to work with Rolando Villazón. Right. And Mariana mm-hmm. Carbassa was flown to Toronto to work with me. Mm-hmm. So it really ended up being 10 weeks of rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And at La Scala we had 10 days. And uh, the singers were all, of course the invitation came so late, mm-hmm. because it wasn't until the director had seen it. So the singers were all booked with other mm-hmm. gigs, so they were all coming late. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the ballet integral to Mozart's oh, yes. first Production, well, you know, there's not say? enough information don't to say that? yes or no, but there is gorgeous dance music in it. And Mozart did love dancing. I mean, that uh-huh. was something he enjoyed tremendously. So uh, for me, this just helps inform it tremendously. Mm-hmm. So we had a full chorus, a full court de ballet. In Salzburg, it was our dancers, the artists of Atelier Ballet, who were with us.
1: For yourselves, La Scala yes. has La Scala, a ballet attached.
0: A glorious ballet. So uh-huh. the hardest thing was choosing what dancers we would work with.
1: A historically informed ballet at
0: Leslie? Oh, ballet? yes, very yeah. much so. They know yes, their, yes they and have also the, you know, I the think range. There comes a point, David, that learning, if you have a, a really well trained ballet dancer, ultimately is supposed to be a blank page. Mm-hmm. It means everything's in place so that you can do anything that you're asked. Mm-hmm. And this is the case. You get a core of dancers who are that well trained and you start teaching them different arms, a different kinetic movement, Mm -hmm. they just take that in like any new choreographer coming in and saying, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. Mm -hmm. So they listened very carefully with Jeanette. She had hours and hours of rehearsal with them. Mm -hmm. Occasionally there were a couple of people who didn't seem as well suited. They brought in other dancers, and she chose the people that she thought were best suited. Mm -hmm. But uh, they danced beautifully. It was really very, very interesting. In fact, I would say dancers tend to be more flexible artistically than most singers. So but more capable of inflection in yes. what they do. Yeah, I I would yeah. say so. And I think it's the nature of the training, mm-hmm. considering dancers start as children, singers start as adults. Mm-hmm. I may give sweeping statement, but you know what I mean. Yeah. What I mean. And sure. so dancers have all those years to feel that they're they're simply a receptacle. You're supposed to fill them with mm. ideas and then they give that back to you. Yeah. And then as they become artists, there's something personal in it. But singers, there hasn't been that culture around them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a whole other thing. Singers is it part of
1: why you like to work with the same people?
0: Absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spend my life looking for people that, that I know are going to have the flexibility that we need vocally Physically, emotionally, in every way Mm -hmm. to be able to really challenge themselves in terms of the the tremendous uh, amount of rehearsal time that we put in Mm -hmm. and also also the the demands that we make on them both physically and physically in terms of staging and vocally. I've always wanted Opera Atelier and Jeanette has always felt the same way. We've wanted it to feel like a rep company. Mm -hmm. We may have to disband every time we finish a show but we try to bring people back again, cultivate them, grow with them. Uh, because of course the artists we work with make us change as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but always adding some new people, always bringing in some young people so that there's a mix mm-hmm. that's happening. And this to me is, creates a wonderful, healthy atmosphere. No one needs to protect themselves when they mm-hmm. come into rehearsal. I can say to people, come on, I need some bad acting here. We're we're inching, we're inching. Put it up here and then I can pull it back. And no one's embarrassed. You know, it's that kind of thing. Or even vocally, uh, they're asked for something else. We have people who are great Mozart singers and suddenly we're having a workshop preparing them to sing Lully. I mean, this is a huge jump, a huge Mm. change for them. And they can't be careful. About it. Uh, I want to go back
1: and ask you a bit about. uh, You said a little bit earlier, you talked about, I don't know whether this was your phrase exactly, but you know, the beloved Elgin. But is there working in the houses that you've been Mm -hmm. visiting? Yes. Versailles, Seoul, uh, the BBC problem. etc., etc. Is there any element of love hate in it in terms of what it? Doesn't
0: Oh I think every theater that's the case. The problem with the Elgin is because although it's very, very beautiful, uh the stage isn't we wish the stage were deeper. Mm-hmm. It's a heritage building. If only they had knocked out the back wall. They could have done it, you know. They could But have. there was something about that back wall on the stage, it was it was integral to the original structure. Mm-hmm. And so we are very, very hampered in terms of depth the of the depth stage. of stage. Yeah. And that really shows that we in terms of the the amount of time it takes to be able to light the show Mm -hmm. really uh, effectively. We need to have very flexible, very, very bright lighting designers because we just don't have the depth that people usually have. Or when we did our big experiment using an enormous amount of film in Handel's Alcina, Mm -hmm. that film should have been backlit or or back projected. It would have made life so much easier. Instead, we had to hang a projector the size of a Volkswagen. From the balcony, and that was a you know that was a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had no complaints about it. I mean our audience, they really should all have a crown in heaven they just they yeah. just thought that's what they're doing. we're going with them, but that was yeah. uh, that, so that sort of thing, yes, very frustrating, but at the same time, the house has a gorgeous ambiance, there's a tremendous sense of occasion mm-hmm. when you walk in, and to me, that's something that I think opera needs. I think opera belongs to, or at least 17th, 18th, 19th century Mm -hmm. opera, I think it belongs to a world that's meant to take us out of this world, Mm -hmm. not ground us back in it again. Mm -hmm. I don't go to the opera to see life. I go to the opera to see art, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't preclude it affecting my life. Sure, I mean, uh, but life needs to ambush you once you're there, yes. rather than carrying it in yes. with you. Well, the thing is, yeah. the theater is not a mirror. It's mm. I don't go there to see myself. The, in fact, the moment I do, I become too comfortable. I think, mm. oh, I know what this is, but. I, w- I want to be shocked, I want to be shocked into recognition. Right. It's like suddenly seeing someone that, that you didn't expect to be there or something, or mm-hmm. someone says something and it brings back memories. If I'm watching a world that is not my world, right. I'm getting drawn in, I'm not a voyeur, I start to become a participant. Mm-hmm. And then the moment something happens that relates back to me, I think, when I think, I feel that, or I remember feeling that, or I've gone through that. Right. Suddenly, the impact for me is twice as strong mm-hmm. uh, because it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. For so. me, for me, opera works that way.
1: But it also, it also works, especially with with early opera, with the with the quantity of repeats. You know, yes. where please God, don't put up the sir title yes. again, again because they're just saying the same thing yes. again. So please let me just. Please, Enjoy please it musically. Like but yes. what happens is that large, dare I say it, there are, there are large stretches in opera of, I won't call it quite, wouldn't call it tedium, but of complacency, yes. where one feels comfortably superior to and distant from, yes. and then moments of reality blindside yes. one and i wonder I, I found myself wondering if that's one of the magic effects of the dance um, there's not often a narrative through line mm-hmm. in the in the
0: ballet no in the dance um, the dances the dances in our operas are meant to be there participating in the scene. Okay. So they're not there as a divertissement, absolutely okay. not. I mean by the 19th century the singers leave the stage, the dancers run on in their point shoes, dressed completely differently from everyone else. and yeah. do their thing. In 17th, 18th century opera, the dancers do become characters, but they're supporting whatever that particular scene happens okay. to be. Don Giovanni. So we have a ballroom scene. So the dancers are there dancing there. in a ballroom scene. Uh-huh. It heightens the reality of uh-huh. that scene.
1: And at the times written, are they slipping notes from somebody in the balcony to the dancer that they're well, after? you know, or not?
0: I, I suppose uh, the equivalent still does happen <laughs> at times. Uh, but these, to me, the the really thrilling thing about the dancing, in addition to the fact that it helps tell the story. Uh, It also acts as a sort of visual palette cleanser, if you like. I think think we have to accept the fact that the way we experience opera now is not the way it was meant to be experienced originally. Mm -hmm. Right up to the 19th century, when opera started, the house lights were up. Mm -hmm. People were able to see each other clearly. They moved around the theatre. They had conversations with each other. In La Scala, even now, they've left the tables that you can fold down that you would have had your dinner on. They don't do it now, yeah. but you could order dinner to your box. The really beautiful boxes have little living rooms, little salons off the back, sometimes with a bed, sometimes with, with you know, beautiful pieces of furniture. <laughs> it, it's... So it was, the opera was a social event. Mm -hmm. Now that we've screwed the chairs into the floor, which I don't mind, Mm -hmm. we turn the lights down, Mm -hmm. we take away all the senses, we force people to face the stage, Mm -hmm. and then we want them to concentrate. And plus, we're not aristocrats, we've all been working all day, we're tired, maybe we've had a drink, and then we sit down in the dark for four hours and we're supposed to stare at the stage as people sing phonetically in a language that we don't understand. I'm sorry, that's too much for me. I need more distraction than that. I want to be able to listen to the music and enjoy the music. If I start becoming bored with the music, and I defy anyone to say they can sit through four hours of opera and not find moments of tedium, Mm -hmm. then I want to be able to watch some beautiful people dancing. Mm. And if I'm not into dancing, I want to be able to look at decor and scenery that helps tell the story, it thrills Mm. me. And to me, the absolute ideal, which is one of the reasons I love the Elgin, we have a hydraulic pit. We have the orchestra high enough that you can watch the orchestra play as well. We have no one folding up their music and leaving because they have finished playing for that night (laughs) and having people (laughs) applauding to an empty pit. I'm not going to name any names, but I'm telling you, That just shocks me every time I see that. I'm in the balcony of an opera house or ballet house anywhere in the world. Tafel music, we are so fortunate to have that orchestra. This is not an orchestra, an opera orchestra. It's not a pit band. This is a great, great period ensemble who love playing opera. They are all paying such attention. They're working so hard. It's adorable, at times they're craning their necks trying to see the stage. Yeah. But I've always loved watching them play from the first time I ever saw them, more than 30 years ago. The physicality of how they bow, the very nature of their mm-hmm. bowing, the beauty of their instruments. So. That's another option. You can just watch Jean Lamont play the violin. Mm-hmm. You can watch Charlotte playing the harpsichord. You can look at a six uh, at the oboe with a six-foot neck and wonder what the hell it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it all plays into it. And to me, that's the wonderful thing about this opera, this style of opera. We're saying it's not really happening, people. We're not even making believe it's really happening. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be a profound experience for you. But we want you to be able to enjoy every possible element. There's no invisible wall. Mm-hmm. There is no wall. The, the, the singers know that you're there. They're looking at you. They're talking to you. Right. They're going to respond to you. And it just, to me, it's about demystifying mm-hmm. the whole thing. And making something accessible doesn't mean you have to dumb it down. Making something accessible, accessible to me, simply means that you clarify. The moment you know what's happening, it's accessible. Right. But why anyone would want to make an opera more difficult to understand is inconceivable to me. <laughs> I mean, I've had so many singers come into figure rehearsals in the past who have sung it many times and said, can anyone tell me what really happens in the last act? Right. <laughs> I mean, I've seen productions where... Susanna comes out wearing a dress and then the countess comes out wearing the exact same dresses. though she has two of the same dresses in her closet. Uh I mean, it's insane. It's, uh, but (laughs) the problem is Figaro is very, very complicated. In the 18th century, people love those complicated stories. They tie it into a knot and then they slowly pick it apart. Right. You can't pick it apart in two weeks of rehearsal. It's not possible. Right. So better that you just have a concept, hang the whole thing on that, and have people line up and belt out their music as beautifully as possible. But if you want to tell the story, unfortunately, I think, you need four weeks, you need five weeks. People have got to figure out, who am I talking to? Who can hear me? Mm -hmm. Who can't hear me? What do I mean? This was the beauty with the eight weeks of Lucio Silla. Every person who was in that cast in Salzburg spoke Italian fluently. Mm -hmm and we would still get to scenes, Olga would suddenly turn to Rolando and said, "You sound ironic when you're saying that to me. You Mm -hmm. don't really mean that, that you don't think he's being ironic. He said, of course he's being ironic, he's not really in love with her. She said, wait, 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 you (laughs) are in love with me. You're in love with me, you can't talk to me like that. I can't do this either. It was so wonderful. I thought, my God, I feel like I'm truly in the theater. Mm. This is recitative, the stuff that people usually say, let's just get through this and get Mm. to the, the good stuff. So how do you,
1: even with this, I mean, I know you're working with people that you work with a lot, but how do you you actually find the way to cut to the chase on this discovery when you don't have your eight weeks?
0: Well, I don't have eight weeks, but I do have five. And that's a a significant rehearsal period for any North American company. We've made a conscious decision to produce only twice a year in Toronto. With the budget that we have as a company, mm-hmm. we could easily produce three times. If we were going to rent everything, we could probably produce four. If we were going to bring it down to three weeks or two weeks of rehearsal. But that's not the point. We're simply It's not the point. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying it's better. It's different. We're doing something else. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing with the singers. If people come to us, we don't suddenly give them a larger salary. You know, singers are paid by the show. Dancers mm-hmm. are paid by the week. But singers, mm-hmm. each show, they get X number of thousands of dollars. Our singers are not paid more per show because they rehearse for five weeks. Mm -hmm. They could rehearse for one week. That's still their fee. Right. So to begin with, I have people who want to rehearse. Right. They love rehearsing. Mm -hmm. They couldn't do it five times a year. They wouldn't be able to afford to live. But I've had singers and agents actually say, Marshall, Mm -hmm. they can only afford to work with you once a year. But they are going to work with you.
1: So... We're using up all our time on this one show, which Yay. means it means we'll have to come back, or cut to the chase on a couple of other little topics. Okay. So, uh, but maybe maybe not. I mean, maybe maybe we should just we should just say this is the one because sure. it's the it's one that's on your plate. It's a big it's deal.
0: The, the, the blowout of our thirtieth anniversary. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I mean, I feel badly, I haven't even mentioned David Follis, who has been with us for right. 28 and 30 is years. Is David in the pit for this one? Absolutely, he is. Okay. Absolutely. In fact, we made a very conscious decision to uh, redesign the show, not only because it was so huge. We could have had it designed down, but we yeah. thought, no, it's our 30th anniversary. We need our... Creative team. So Gerard, Gerard is doing the set and costume designs. Right. And although I must say, what we had in Europe was beautiful, mm-hmm. but uh, in Europe it was interesting. I felt that we had a three dimensional version of what we do two dimensionally. Yeah. Because we're all about painted soft canvas, yeah. Whereas in Europe, everything was being able to be. Well, you're truly making a built, virtue so.
1: of, an, of an Elgin necessity. Yes, in, exactly. In that, aren't you? Exactly. To some extent, but it's also for for an audience that that change sense of what constitutes perspective yeah. is very interesting. Yeah, and, I think and, so. And, yeah. and takes you out of your, your yes. usual as well.
0: Now, one of our singers, I should mention two of the singers from mm-hmm. Europe are also coming here. Kreschmir Spitzer, sp- yeah. that wonderful Croatian tenor who mm-hmm. I have been crazy about. he's been about. with you in... Uh, he's, he's done five shows with us Five now. shows with you. Now. And I heard Kreshmir for the first time I saw him on the DVD of William Christie's Return of Ulysses, the Mm. Monteverdi. I was so overwhelmed by his performance. I had never seen anything like it. I thought he was the greatest singing actor I had ever seen in my life. In fact, I watched the performance obsessively. I'd call people in from the office and say, look at this man, look at this man. And uh, you know, it was, he was so marvelous. I remember telling myself, I'll never work with him. I could never work with someone like this because how could I direct someone who knows everything? He mm. just seemed, every response seemed to be so perfect. I just thought I would be so intimidated, I'd be frozen in rehearsal. So you said character. two singers you have to mention? You yes, need. and Inga Kalna, uh, Latvian soprano. And I must, I must say, Mark Minkowski, when he decided... He was making his debut as the artistic director of uh, Mozartwache mm. with this opera, although he was already a big star at the Salzburg Festival, but then he, he took over Mozartwache. He said if he couldn't have Inga Khan sing China, he would not produce Lucia which I think is an incredible thing. And mm. at first, you know, I looked at the music, I had a general idea. Uh, But I was just surprised. I thought, oh, Mark obviously is very fond of Inga. But I realized after we got into rehearsal, he truly meant he did not feel that there were other sopranos who would be able to handle the role with that degree of finesse. Uh, Inga is a machine Mm. and she's an artist. It's unbelievable, because I think you usually get one or the other. You her do, yeah. astonishing coloratura, her tremendous musicality. She is a musicologist as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, multilingual, but the stamina to be able to get through this role, any number of great coloratura sopranos would be able to sing one of Gina's arias in a concert. But it's the stamina of getting through the entire evening. She definitely has the toughest role in the entire show. And, you know, it's just, it's like a pleasure for her. She's just Mm. so radiantly happy when she's singing. There's nothing to it. She's made to sing this sort of thing. It's like Queen of the Night. You should sing it or you shouldn't. (laughs) But if you think maybe you want to sing it, then maybe you should Maybe you should yeah. (laughs) And uh, this is very much what Chena is. Another
1: one. I'm looking forward to this. Good. So am I. So am and, I. Uh, we'll we'll have to take up some other topics uh, another okay, time. Good. Thank I look you. forward to it. Thanks, Marshall. Okay. And Rio. thank you all. Yes, sir.